Welcome to Aiming for the Moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. And I'm Maddie Henry. And on this podcast, we interview interesting people from a teenage perspective. That's right. Today, we will be interviewing Professor Stuart Firestein, who is the former chair of the Department of Biological Sciences at Columbia University. He studies smell in his lab and also enjoys communicating science to the general public. He has also written two books, Ignorance, How It Drives Science, and Failure, Why Science is So Successful. So, Here's the interview. Welcome, Professor Firestein, to the interview. It's great to have you here. So you are the former chair of the Department of Biological Sciences at Columbia University. You study smell at your lab, but you also really enjoy communicating science to the public. So you are the author of Ignorance, How It Drives Science, and Failure, Why, Why Science is, is So Successful. So it's great to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Taylor. I really appreciate this opportunity. Yes, it's. I was really, really happy to get you on. I saw your TED Talk about ignorance, and I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you very much. It was an interesting experience giving it. What's even more interesting is I had a, a friend recently who um, who wanted to send the, the link to another friend of his, and he called me up and he said, do you, do you know that this thing has been viewed more than two million times? And I, I have no idea what to make of that. I can't really wrap my head around that. I mean, I'm, I'm used to writing a scientific paper. If 10 people read it and three comment on it, I'm thrilled, you know. And here, two million people have seen this thing, and I, it's amazing to me. The, what that is, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really great talk. And I really enjoyed it. So what's interesting, you gave that talk about ignorance in science. And I'm kind of interested, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. What do you define as ignorance? Because often people think, like, say, yo, you're so ignorant. And that's not often seen as a good thing. So what do you mean ignorance is good? Right. So that's important, of course. I, I use the term ignorance, of course, to be kind of intentionally provocative. But I but I don't mean any of the bad things about ignorance. I don't mean stupidity or a callow indifference to fact or or ideas, things like that. I mean, rather, I mean, simply what we don't know. There being so much of what we don't know, we think knowledge is, is a big thing. And it is. There's a lot of knowledge out there. But as I like to say, knowledge is a big subject, but ignorance is a bigger one. And so ignorance is not only more fun, but I think it's more interesting. I mean, what you don't know, the puzzles, the things that are mysteries, this is where the real interest is. I mean, what we know is nice, but it's a bunch of facts. What, what are you going to do with that except memorize them for a test and forget yeah. them? Yeah, I know. That's the classic cram style of a lot of students. So why should we pursue ignorance and science and life in general? Well, again, because what we don't know is the boundary. It's, it's, it's the frontier and it's where all the interesting stuff is, right? I mean, this is what science is about. It's really what we don't know. In fact, I would say science began in the early days of science, if we take it to be the scientific revolution around the 1600s or something, science began by creating ignorance. It said, you know, that, that authority is no longer sufficient for truth, that we don't get truth from the state or from the church or from Aristotle just because somebody said so. We actually have to do experiments. We have to find out. And so the first thing science really created was a vast amount of ignorance. They said, everything we know, we don't know. We have to find it out. 
Yeah, that's an interesting way because I think a lot of times auto people in general don't like that feeling of not knowing anything in a general air area. And uh, oftentimes we look to scientists and see them as people who know everything about their specific topic. And it seems that you're kind of advocating for an idea that go into science as a scientist, go into an area that you don't know anything about and kind of find your way and learn more about it. Is that kind of what you were? Your message well, to some extent, you may not have to know nothing about it. I mean, you know, some things or you learn some things. So I'm not against knowledge. I'm not against knowing things. I think that's a good idea, too. I guess the issue is what we tend to think that we start out not knowing things in ignorance, if you will. And then we get some knowledge. But then the question is, what do you do with that knowledge? Does anybody ever think about what we should do with the knowledge that we get? And I mean, there's some things you can do, like build machines or things like that, or come up with cures and gadgets, and that's great. But really, the best thing you can do with knowledge is ask a better question, is come up with a better, more sophisticated question. And so I think that's that's the key to how science works, is we gain some knowledge, but usually what we what we learn really raises new questions, often raises more questions than the ones we started with, and they're better questions. And that's what we really should be looking for is better questions, how to ask better questions. I wish that's what we taught in schools is how to ask better questions instead of just how to give how to give the answers by rote, you know. Yeah, that's an interesting topic. I'm kind of curious. So you talk a lot about how this applies to science, and it seems like uh, very practical in science. How can you do this? Is there a way that our teenage audience could apply this to their general life, like their school or what do you, is there a way to apply this idea? Well, it's, I admit that it's hard to do because of our educational system, because, you know, in the end, you need to pass a test and get a grade and, you know, graduate, maybe go to college, whatever it is you want to do in life. And so typically tests have to do with your knowledge, not the questions you have until, for example, you get to graduate school. Once you get into graduate school, nobody cares about what you know. They want to know what you don't know, what questions you want to ask, and how you're going to try and ask those questions, how you're going to build an experiment. So I think you can always think that way. Um, You just take the time and say, well, I've learned this. I've learned this today. But, you know, what questions does that bring up? What what does that make me think of, you know? Um, There's a wonderful story I like to tell about a famous physicist named Isidore Rabi. I.I. Rabi was his name. He was at Columbia, where I am now, but he's passed away long ago. And he won a Nobel Prize in physics for developing a technique known as NMR, which we still use today, but call MRI. And that's magnetic resonance imaging. And if you go to the hospital with a broken something or another, they'll give you an MRI, right? Uh, You hear about athletes getting them all the time. Well, he invented that, or he invented the technology behind it. And he used to tell this story, the favorite story of his, he says, when I was growing up, as a young, I think it's important to say, as a young immigrant child on the Lower East Side, um, and I would come home from school with all my friends, and all their mothers would ask them, so what did you learn in school today? But my mother would always say, so Isidore, did you ask any good questions today? And Isidore is the one who won the Nobel Prize. I don't know what happened to his friends. I guess they did okay, too. But I think Mrs. Robbie had the right idea. What we should ask ourselves at the end of every day is, did we ask any good questions today? So that's one way to do it. Yeah, I I really like that approach because it's practical because it's as soon as you get home from school, you could journal about maybe what you what questions you asked and what areas of science or what areas of learning that you would want to pursue to maybe answer those questions if your teachers can't. I, I like that idea. Good. 
I like that idea too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting and a practical way of applying it. It kind of makes me think of a quote. So there's the famous, I, I believe it's Shakespeare quote, who said, ignorance is bliss. I'm not sure exactly who said it. And it's there that he applied it in a different way. But I like, I kind of think of it um, in your idea of your topic. And it's almost like ignorance is bliss. Like the pursuit of ignorance can bring you happiness because you're learning all kinds of new things. Although I'm pretty sure that might not be the way he intended the quote to be said. But there you go. Probably not, but I like your interpretation of it better, actually. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, ignorance is, it's fun, you know, uh, and, and learning how to sort of be patient with it. This is a very important idea as well, I think, from a poet as well. John Keats is a poet who coined the word negative capability, which sounds like a weird term, but but I'll get the quote slightly wrong here, I'm sure. But he says it's it's when a man, or now I hope we'd say a person, when a person is in mysteries, doubts, and uncertainties without any irritable reaching after fact. And he considered this to be the, the literary, the best creative state for a literary mind, I think for any mind. And it's this idea of being patient with what we don't know and actually enjoying it, enjoying the mystery and the and the thinking about it, because that's when you're most creative, when you solve a puzzle, right? When you don't know something, you're looking for the answer. It's not creative to memorize a, a list of something. That's not creative. You just, you do it. We need to do it sometimes, but it's not creative. It's not innovative. It's not engaging. Whereas ignorance can be. And, and I think it's important to develop this idea of negative capability. How do you learn to be patient with what you don't know? Yeah, it seems like it's promoting this idea of kind of mulling over the things that you don't understand and kind of in order to understand them more and then ask questions about the ideas you then understand in order to understand the ideas beyond that. So it's kind of this process that never ends. So by the end, well, there isn't really an end, but by as the time you get older and you keep asking these questions, you become may, maybe smarter or maybe just wiser in general. Well, I think the, the never ending part of it is exactly the right idea. I mean, who wants to be part of a process that is? That's the trouble with facts and truth. I mean, they're good things to have. You learn things, but that's the end of it. Then what do you do? You put them in a book, you put them in an encyclopedia, you put them in a textbook, whatever it is you do with them, that's the end of it, right? But what you don't know is just an endless frontier, you know, that that'll never end. You'll never know everything. So you'll have something to do the whole rest of your life. That's yeah, I really like this idea of ignorance. I'm definitely going to apply it in my more school life and just life in general. So here. Well, I was just going to say there's a wonderful quote I like to use, too, from a, a past president of Barnard College, which is part of Columbia University. It's one of the colleges of Columbia. Happens to be an all-women's college, but that's that's for historical reasons. But anyway, somebody said to her, what's the value of college? And she said, well, you know, you have to live your whole life inside your head. So you should make it an interesting place. <laughs> that, I like that quote. That's That's a really funny quote. Yeah, and I thought it was just wonderful, right? So make it an interesting place. And questions are much more interesting than anything else you can think of, I think. They are, for sure. Well, our last two questions, we're wrapping up the interview a little bit here. And our first sure. question that we always ask our guests is, what books have had an impact on you and why? Hmm. Well, that's always a hard one because I've, I've, it's not that I've read so many books, but I've forgotten a lot of books is the problem. <laughs> um so you brought up Shakespeare, and Shakespeare has always been somebody who I think has is remarkable. I, I I don't understand how there was this one person who was who wrote all those plays and was so remarkably 
uh, prescient about so many things. I mean, he's such a modern writer from 450 odd years ago, you know. So, so I like an awful lot of Shakespeare, but, but a, a book that actually, a book you wouldn't expect that had a sort of a significant effect on me was a little tiny volume that I picked up in a used bookstore one day called The Elizabethan World Picture. It was by a famous historian named, um, what's his name? Wait, I have it here. Yeah, E-M-W Tilliard, T-I-L-L-Y-A-R-D. It's a very thin little book. There it is. Look oh, it is tiny. It's a very tiny book. But he has this, I picked it up because I was interested in Shakespeare and it's the Elizabethan world picture. And, and what he points out in this book is that if you really want to understand Shakespeare, you have to understand the medieval worldview, which was what Elizabethans took for granted because Shakespeare doesn't write about what everybody takes for granted, whatever, what's common knowledge about everybody. He writes on the edge. He writes about new things. But to understand that, you need to understand what the worldview of Elizabethans were. And I think that's true in anything we do. Right now, you have to understand the worldview. People don't want to take vaccines. Why don't they want to take vaccines? You could say, well, they're just stupid, but that doesn't get you anywhere. It's better to try and understand what the background of vaccines are and why people would be hesitant about vaccines, what good reasons they feel they have for it, and and consider those. And I think that's important, that widening your frame from a kind of historical perspective or just widening your frame in general is very important. So for me, that was I've used that book in so many different ways besides Shakespeare, besides understanding Shakespeare, that has been very useful to me. And it's a tiny little volume. You never know where you're going to get a good idea. I really enjoy, like, whenever I read a classic or a book or a book like Shakespeare or something kind of uh, by a classic author that might, it's definitely out of the historical period, but it still applies to today. I like understanding the context around the writer and like the ideas, like the context of the book during when he wrote it. So it kind of helps understand how cutting edge or how like just interesting that topic is for when the guy wrote it. And I thought, I always find that really interesting. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Trying to understand that context in which it, in which it appeared, in which it came to this person's mind. And then, you know, then it takes on other lives as well through time. But it always gives, it makes it a little bit more interesting. I think. I agree with you. I agree with you. History is very useful that way. I mean, knowing the background just expands your appreciation of something. I think you're absolutely right. It really does. So our last question is, what advice do you have for teenagers? Oh, boy, you know, I'm the wrong person to be giving advice to teenagers. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Um, You know, my advice to teenagers is don't don't make any big decisions too quickly. There's a big world out there. There's a lot to do. Things change. I should tell you very quickly, I'll tell you that I actually – Before I got into science, I spent 15 years working in the professional theater. I was a stage manager, lighting designer, and director for 15 years. I had quite an active career in the professional theater. And then I didn't go to college. I'm not recommending this necessarily, but I didn't go to college until I was 30 years old. In those days, if you wanted to work in the theater, you apprenticed yourself to somebody. You didn't go to school for it. So after high school, I didn't go to college. And I went back when I was 30 because I, be, I got interested in science. A long story I don't want to go into now. But, but you know, it was a, it was a, I had the ability to just change my life entirely. And I think we do that now. We live twice as long as we used to. We ought to have a couple of careers rather than one. So I would say don't make a decision too early. Or if you make a decision, be willing to change that decision. Be willing to let the world offer you something and be open to it. 
be able to pivot your life and go after things that you might not be interested in what you're going after now. You can change it and go after other things that you're interested. You just never know. I worry so much about college students. You know, I teach at Columbia, so I teach college students and they're, you know, they come in there, they're 18 years old or so. And, and they're, you know, desperate to find a major. They want to find a major. They want to major in this. this, And I'm thinking, really, there's, there's like a, you know, a bonanza, a cornucopia of things to do here at Columbia. Don't major in anything, in my opinion. Just take the courses that interest you. It'll be the same degree in the end. It'll be just as good. And you can do anything you want with it after that anyway. And you can always go back to school. That's what I found with talking to guests is that they say some of them didn't go to college. Then they decided, well, I'm going to go back to college and learn something else. Or some people just never really get out of college. They keep on learning. So there's nothing wrong with that either. Nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. I I went into the history and philosophy of science just a couple of years ago. I was actually going to go back to school and get a master's degree in it, but they convinced me to come and just be a visiting sort of sabbatical person for a year. But I did basically... Um, work in the history and philosophy of science. This was at Cambridge University. I took a year off from my regular science and did that because I thought I was, that was an area that interested me. Yeah, I completely agree. And I kind of went, I'm kind of curious what college will be like with now that I've interviewed all these people and they've given this advice, which, which seems to be, you can always pivot. So I'm kind of curious um, what will happen in the future. Well, well, that's what you yeah. should be, is curious about what will happen in the future. And <laughs> pursue your right. ignorance. <laughs> yes, yes, and that curiosity. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, Professor Firestein, for coming on the interview. It was really fun talking about ignorance and everything else we talked about. It was a fun interview. I enjoyed it. It was great, Taylor. Thank you so much for putting this together and organizing it and for doing these interviews. I think they're great. Ignorance is bliss. I think that's the quote of this episode. I found that fascinating because obviously, as we talked about, ignorance is often an insult. Like, hey, Maddie, you're so ignorant about blah, 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 blah. Like, that would, that would make you sad. Like, that's not something nice. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed that interview. I feel like, yeah, people don't appreciate ignorance enough. I, it's, it's kind of a difficult topic, in my opinion, to like wrap my brain around because I feel like knowledge is pushed so much in our culture. I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. I'm ignorant about ignorance. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a super fascinating interview because he's kind of pushing a point about ignorance that I feel like not a lot of people are just kind of showing us, us it in a new light. And I thought that was really interesting. He, I think it's the same, it's the same drive for knowledge, but it's applied in a different way. Instead of like, I guess the kind of philosophy behind it is Um, And I'm kind of setting this up in my own words here. So this might not be what he believes, but this is what I got from the interview. Um, It was interesting because it seemed to be this perspective that often, I think at least, I think a lot of my friends and you think, and a lot of just people in general think that if you don't know something, then you could be dumb or you, you did something wrong. But his perspective is, of course, everyone on this thing, including him, including every most people in the world are after knowledge. But the way the world views knowledge is, hey, you're a great person if you know that. But the way he views knowledge is, yeah, that's great. But what do you want to next? What are you learning about next? So it's just a different way of viewing um, not knowing something. He views it as a new challenge and something to discover. So I thought that was really interesting. The way that questions phrase, um, phrased puts a different like 
puts a different philosophy to school. If you think about it, like what did you learn today puts in the perspective that you're um, passively getting information and you're just receiving it. The other one um, puts into perspective that what questions do you ask? What did you actively try to know? And what, what stuff did you actively try to get a hold of instead of just passively getting information from people? I thought that's a different perspective on school that not a lot of people have. Yeah. You're going deep. My brain's hurting. <laughs> I don't have the brain power right now to cover in what you just said, but it sounded deep and it sounded great. So good job. Thank you. It's like here, everyone, when we're recording. Uh, yeah, I've been so, at school. Okay. What did you think? Um, what did you think about his advice? I found it interesting because we've had a lot of people come on and say, like, you don't have to know what you want to do. Like now you don't have to know exactly the path that you want to take. But I liked how he kind of said was how he was like in a completely different profession before he went into science, but he decided like halfway partway through his life, like, you know what? I kind of want to go and try something new. Or I thought that was kind of cool. He's like, if you do kind of know what you want to do. I want to become, let's say a teacher. Well, be, also be open to maybe 15 years from now. You're like, oh, you know what? I kind of want to try to become an actress or an actor or whatever. So I thought that was, I, I liked that. I thought that was kind of cool to like, just don't be afraid to seek other paths though. You might know what you want to do now. They're down the line. You might, you're different and you might have different interests. And I thought that was awesome. Especially that career switch. That's quite interesting from actor to scientist. Usually like the stereotypes are very polar opposites on that. I thought that was. That, that would be a huge switch. Yeah. A huge switch. For sure. Well, I guess it's time for our notification section, everyone. Ba-ding. Okay. So Maddie, what are our usual notifications? Okay, so we have a website at aimingforthemoon.com. You can go check us out there. We have guest profiles. We have our own bios. We have a contact page if you have any recommendation for guests. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And yeah, so go check us out. We have a lot of cool things on our website. Um, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at aiming the number four moon. We post updates frequently, um, sometimes a little teasers about upcoming episodes. And so we would love for you to go and follow us and maybe comment or something. And then we're also on YouTube at aiming for the moon podcast. I know there's a lot of information, but yeah, there you go. Yep. And on our website, as Maddie said, um, our email is there. So that's how you'll be able to contact us unless you want to message us through our socials. So there you go. Trying to think. I, I think that's all. Um, well, this has been great. Maddie and I are getting back into school. So this will be interesting, but um, we're going to try to keep the production up. Well, don't forget that your side's high and aim for the moon.